0: Recorded live. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Big and Fruity, a podcast for
1: people who like a glass of wine. Sit back, relax, pour out a glass of your favorite wine, and join our host, Mr. Dave AC, for the next hour while we enjoy some nice wine. And here he is now. The man who likes a good glass of red wine, your host, Mr. Dave A.C. And welcome everyone. You know Tuesdays are not bad days really. I know some people at work thinking, oh it's a bad day Tuesday. We've still got three days to go till the weekend and uh, last weekend seems long ago. But never mind that. And in any case, you may not be listening to this uh, on the very evening that I record it. Yes, welcome. I'm Dave AC and I'm your host for the Big and Fruity Wine podcast. It's a podcast that goes out every Tuesday, as I just related to, there, uh, at 5 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. And if you're in the UK like myself, that equates to 10 p.m. And listen to this, British Summer Time. Yes, I can officially announce that today is British Summer. It was an absolutely beautiful day, uh, Unfortunately, my car was in the garage, but it wasn't unfortunate. Even though I had a long walk from the station to go and collect my car, I did so in glorious sunshine. And uh, I think one side of my face might be slightly uh, redder than the other side. But uh, thankfully, got my car back without too many shocks and was really pleased that we had a lovely day. And it's forecast to stay pretty good. For now and of course if you're not already familiar with this and i know this is nothing to do with wine but there you go um the uk are hosting the 2012 olympic games i've set up my satellite with the dish and the receiver with the new 24 uh high definition channels ready for that uh i think If not today, tomorrow they're doing the dress rehearsal of the opening ceremony and it all kicks off in a few days. So suddenly the UK is waking up from a long, dreary, wet uh, spring and early summer and we are getting uh, ready for party time with the Olympics and then the Paralympics that follows on. Unfortunately, London seems to be a little... Uh, gridlock state with all the special lanes uh, off for people who are on Olympic business anyway you're not here for that you're here for the wine I hope yes uh, this recording goes out as I said on Torchu. the call ID by the way is 112272 you may be of course subscribed to iTunes and hearing it there you may have found it on one of the various other uh, blogging directories on the internet and if you have done so, uh, podcast directors, I should say, welcome if this is your first episode. It is indeed actually episode 48. So we're getting very near to one year of Big and Fruity. OK, uh, well, that's the welcome. Um, you, I will talk at the very end about if you want to join in live, how you can do so. Um, but um, for now let's get on with the show I've got no apologies to give out but I do have a thank you to give out yes um, whenever you're doing a podcast like this uh, no matter what your skill level your entertainment level your enthusiast level um, it always takes time for people to find that you are doing a podcast takes uh, the time for people to realise that it is a regular event and even more time for people to see whether it deserves their loyalty or not and of course that loyalty has to be earned week in and week out and i must say i was very very pleased with uh last week the downloads for just the one week were almost 300 which for what in podcasting terms is a fairly new uh podcast uh very very pleased with that and thank you for those people that took the trouble to listen Even if you decided not to listen to it all the way through, thank you for at least giving us um, a chance. And if the uh, one that you caught wasn't necessarily the most interesting one, well, there are 47 others for you to have a listen to. Okay, today's topic is a follow-on from last week. Last week we were talking about um, wines that fail to qualify, although in actual fact we also talked about wines with our olympic theme that may have just got themselves a bronze medal but today we're going for gold yes gold medal winners um so that is the theme we're talking about wines that have won an award does that automatically mean you can't fail but like them and uh on the downside does it also mean that they might be a little bit pricey than when you bought it when it didn't have a medal Maybe that's something we can speculate, something I will speculate with if we have anybody else come onto the call uh, live on audio. Currently, this is just myself here, so we'll go on to the next main thing that we always have at the beginning of our Big and Fruity Wine podcast is the fact that I have a drink. Isn't that surprising? Not only do I have a drink, I have a gold-winning drink. I have an award-winning drink. And to prove that it's an award-winning drink, I uh, have, as always, used the Big and Fruity Twitter account to put a twit pick up um, online. And I'm going to give the URL for that in a moment. And uh, But before that, let me um, tell you what the wine is. Well, it's a Spanish wine. I'm getting a bit predictable there, aren't I? It's a Rioja. I'm getting more predictable uh, it's made from the Tempranillo grape, which, of course, uh, the many most of the Riocas are made exclusively from. It's 2007. It's a Trienza. and the wine is called. Let's see if I can pronounce it for, right for once, David. It's called El Portico, and it's Bodegas Palencio, Bodego Pod, Palencio. Crianza, 2007, 13% wine of Spain, of course. Let's see what it says on the back of the bottle. Bodegas Palencio, founded by Don cosome Palencio in 1894, is an iconic winery situated in the vineyards of Rioja in the north in northeast Spain. Wine and food is at the heart of Spain's rich culture and this wine is made to be enjoyed with a variety of goods. Well, there's the bottle. The wine is poured out. It's been opened a good hour or so. It's got a beautiful ruby, rich red colour and we're getting bags of almost damson fruit, I would have said, on the nose, slightly surprisingly. as expecting a
0: little bit more sharper cherry than that there we go let's have a taste Mm. now that is
1: very rich and it's a nice riocca but it is coming out more red cherry on the palate. it definitely got that slight um not acidic edge but there's obviously a, a tart element to that in actual fact um compared with my um, campo Vigio that i uh often drink it's a uh, slightly tart more tart than that but very very nice i'm getting a little bit of vanilla
0: from the oak barrels that it's stored in and what else am i getting hmm. it's actually very nice but it it seems a
1: little bit underpowered. I was expecting a little bit more punch from that. Maybe, of course, it is the Crianza and not the Reserva. And the last couple of riochas I've drunk have been reservers with even more of a sort of hit you across the head with a piece of oak. Um, this is very nice, uh, but it has not... I was expecting it to be rather fuller in the mouthfeel and a little bit more uh, smooth, um, and not quite as tart as it is. Let me read what it says here. This warm, medium-bodied red wine with violent, vibrant violet aromas together with rich red currant fruit. It's definitely more red currant fruit on the palate, and bound together with gentle oat flavours. Serve at room temperature, best paired with food, ideally with grilled lamb chops, roasted venison or sausages and uh, mustard mash. Enjoy now and store carefully for up to five years. This exciting red wine is made from the Tempranillo grapes grown in the Rioja region and is carefully aged in um, 225 litre oak barrels for at least 12 months and i think that's probably what it is i'm i i actually expected more oak i expected a little bit more depth on that and i expected probably um a more uh integrated taste between the the fruit and the oak and i i'm getting as i said the slightly mm, tart red currant taste um, and yet, thats it's probably because on the nose, it, it actually smells as though it's going to be more full-bodied. But it does say medium-bodied on the bottle. So, how can I put this? For a crienza, it seems a little bit lighter weight than I expected. Especially since it has a seal of approval. Yes, uh, the Twitpick page that I was going to tell you about. Let me put it in the room. So you can confer for yourselves. Uh, this is all in small case, remember. It's twitpic.com forward slash abbm 33 So it's twitpic.com forward slash A-B-B-M-3-3. And we'll just do a refresh. That will be the uh, third time I've looked at this page. And we've had it viewed by 42 people. So if I take myself out of the equation, 39 people have had a look. And what I've done is I've superimposed a close-up of the actual award on it. And let, let me have a look more carefully at the bottle. And it says on it, and it's in gold, Decanter World Awards. World Wine Awards international trophy winner for and it's got on the letter d 2010 so it's a trophy winner for 2010 from uh, decanto and i'm just going to go to the page because um we've got a little bit more information than that here we are let me put this link in And here we go. It's www.decanter.com forward slash D-W-W-A forward slash 2010. This is the award from 2010, of course. And then if you go to um, the search there, you're looking for the Decanter World Wine Awards 2010 International uh, Winners. And um, it's there. Bodigas, Palencio, El Portico, 2007. Rioja, Crianza, Spain. And that is international trophy for Spanish, red Spanish varietals under 10. And I'm not sure whether that's under $10 or uh, under £10. I've got a feeling with it being the decanter that will be under $10. I just want to see if any of the other wines that seemed to have similar honour are ones that I've tasted. And uh, none of... The, oh! No, it's the Ridgeview wine, but it's the white. Just, again, looking. They're about... Uh, let me just have a look. There's 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 12, 14, 16, 18, 20, two, 24, 26... 28 wines including red and whites that have got the international winners um and i'm just going to uh, click what it says here and let me put the actual page link in again always takes me a moment of course to do that if you're listening to the recording later and here it goes a rather long url i must admit www.decanter.com forward slash um VWA forward slash 2010 forward slash wine forward slash Bodegas dash Palencio dash L dash Portico dash 2007 forward slash 6741 and it says here it gets a five star rating and this is what they say sweet generous fairly light but lifted, fresh and elegant, fine tannins, long, ripe and harmonious, with very good fruit and blended spicy oak. Lovely and beautiful, a bargain for under 10. Now, I think you'll guess what I'm going to say now. I think I have to take a little bit of issue with that. Now, admittedly, this may open up a little bit more. Let's go deal with that a little bit in more in depth because uh you know it is this award-winning wine sweet generous fairly light but lifted well i absolutely agree i think it's probably the lightness that has has dissuaded me from from accepting it as a a nice red because i, I must admit i do like
0: more full-bodied reds sweet i'm having an issue with that It's certainly not totally dry, but there is a sort of um,
1: sharper edge to that. I would not have used the word sweet. No. uh, Fresh and elegant. Yes, it absolutely is fresh and elegant. And that's probably the light and understated element of it. Fine tannins. For read fine tannins, I would read um, you know what should we say? Um, Not I'm thinking of the correct word. Fine tannins, um, understated tannins. I, I, I would like more of the tannins coming through. I'm afraid. Long, ripe, and harmonious. Well, again, it is a long finish, and the harmonious one. I'm having a little bit of an issue with that because I'm getting the the this sort of um, red berry taste and the fruit. And I am getting the little bit of vanilla oak coming through, but I'm not getting the integration of the two. And it says blended
0: spicy oak. Let's see if I'm getting any of those spices. Now, what I'm going to actually... Oh, actually, there's a little
1: bit more depth of the oak coming out now. I'm getting a little bit more, uh, but it's coming more as of a, an aftertaste. Um, so it's sort of, you're getting the fruit, you're getting not a lot in the mouth. It's not got a lot of mouthfeel. And then five, well, ten seconds or so later, you're getting the actual vanilla oak coming to your mouth. So what I'm saying is, I suppose, I would prefer a little bit more body with this, a little bit more heft and it's probably just a little bit on the light side for me. Maybe it's because I'm not elegant, and this is perhaps a more refined and elegant wine. Now, I'm also going to look at one more page from uh, the decanter, because um, it actually, if I can find the link, uh, it actually said, when I had it, that this particular wine has run three medals in all, And i'm quickly looking for now why is that page not showing let me let me refresh that page again it had a page on there saying i know where there it is i've got it now Uh, this is another extremely long link but it is actually from the vineyard itself so let me put that in. Remember, you can use chatgrave.com to get these links. And that's where I found it. And it is this. com And then I think you're going to have to actually seek out the page that talks about their wines and find out El Portico 2017. And there's some nice information. And since there's just me in the room at the moment, I'm just going to spend a little bit more time on this because, as I say, uh, the topic for today is about, you know, what can you take from a wine having, um, you know, a high prestige award. And as you might find from what I've said up to now, I was expecting a little bit more. This wine's not giving me all that i thought it should by the way the price i paid for this and i bought it in sainsbury's bought it today uh, was nine pounds 99 so it's a 16 dollar wine um and i think compared with the campo video uh, which was a silver medal winner i think i would pick that over this and in fact i was having a beautiful uh, rioca last night and that was muriel which i'm going to be tasting i've got another bottle of that in i'm going to be tasting muriel um on one of the upcoming ones may try and save it for the 50th show because that was really stunning and maybe that's another little nail in the coffin of this one somewhat that the last rioca i had was actually really um, the business Anyway, let's go to the site because what I wanted to actually mention from this site is it says that this award, this wine has not just won one award, it's won three awards. So let's see what it says here. Uh, referring to the um, the decanter award, it says international trophy, best Spanish red. Oh, it is under £10, not dollars. Thank you for that. So again, we're talking about a $16 Wine here. International Trophy Best Spanish Red on the £10 Decanter World Wine Awards 2010. But there are two other medals on this page featured for the wine. The next one is the Silver Medal for the International Wine Challenge 2010. Excuse me. Now I've got the page up for that and I'm going to uh, quickly put that into the room. And this is an easier URL. It's all one word, remember this little bit. www.internationalwinechallenge.com
0: <coughs>
1: Excuse me, one moment. And um, this is the um, Silver Wine Award. And I'm just going to mute myself one
0: second mm-hmm while I just clear my throat sorry for that moment's silence but far better to have silence than me uh,
1: coughing down your uh, into your headphone set so there we have from the winemaker itself this international wine challenge dot com and uh, they are another prestigious award group. And in actual fact, if you go to the page, there's actually um uh, a click to sync to see <coughs> excuse me, this year's winners, and uh, oh, you can trade search for awards as well. Hmm. International Wine Challenge. Now, there's quite an awful lot on that page, actually, so not too sure what I should uh, talk about that. Oh, let's read this one, because it fits in exactly with our podcast. I'm clicking on the link on the International Wine Challenge, and the link is A Taste of Gold. So let's read a little bit from that. A Tasting of Gold Medal, Great Value and Trophy Award-winning wines from IWC 2012. For the third year running, the IWC will host a Taste of Gold at Lord's Cricket Ground, London. This event will showcase the high quality gold medal winning wines uh, awarded during the competition. This is also the first opportunity for consumers of the wine trade to taste the wines that have been awarded regional and national trophies by the International Wine Challenge judges. Launched in two thousand and ten, numerous important buyers and uk journalists attended the tasting all highlighted the quality of the wines presented. Wow, and for more information, it says you can click on the gold medal, so let's go to this one and I'm going to put this one in the room again and here we go. it's gold medal one word dot challenge dot com. Uh, sales have closed, and it's. I'm just looking to see what the date is. I've gone through all this, and um, it hasn't got the date. It is for trade only, so that is, um, in actual fact, it has already been and gone. It was on the 20th of June, 2012. Uh, I'm just looking to see. It doesn't look as though there's been a report on their main site from that which is uh, slightly disappointing, but again, I suppose, since it is a trade show, uh, that... Hmm. Okay, so that's one last shout-out for www.internationalwinechallenge.com. Now, I said that this wine has gone three awards. Well, the third award is another gold medal. Yes, I am drinking a gold medal-winning wine. And it's gold medal... Concours Mondial de Bruxelles. Now, I told you I'm going to mash something up sometime, aren't I?
0: So let's go for the page for that. And we should have that up here. And I'm
1: going to enter this. Luckily, the page does have a version in the English language. And we'll put that in now. Let me see if I can read that out without murdering it. www.concoursemondial.com forward slash EN for English, of course. And this is the the people that give out this uh, award. And the wine that I am drinking has indeed won the gold medal. Again, I'm assuming for the 2010 version of this um, this award. And I'm going to actually start closing some of these other pages off in a moment because I'm getting lost with all my links. Let's see what it says. Well, actually, video's on here. It's actually got results now for 2012. So let me have a look. Let me put www.concoursemondial.com forward slash en forward slash results
0: HTML. Put that in the room and have a look here. Oh. And it's amazing, you would think with a gold medal, it's not like the Olympics where
1: you have one gold winner, but there are wines from Italy, Spain, Greece, uh, South Africa, Chile, France, uh, and of course Spain. So an awful lot there. There are pictures you can go and check out, even videos. And let's have a look at the news page very quickly. And we'll read just a little bit. The URL is www.concoursemundial.com forward slash EN forward slash latest dash news. And this is information that's worth reading out. A total of 800, sorry, 8,397 wines and spirits from 52 producer countries completed... Uh, in Portugal from May to the 6th, before a hand-picked selection of some of the world's foremost tasters, sommeliers, wine buyers, importers, journalists, and wine writers. In all, 320 wines and spirit tasters, representing 40 nationalities, gathered for three days to judge this year's entries. And of course, you can read on there. (coughs) And the categories were, Best Sparkling, Best White, Best Rosé, Best Red, Best Sweet, and Best Spirit. Excellent. So I think I'm going to uh, close all these little links I've got going for these different awards and just say, what do I conclude from that? Well, I conclude that getting a... An award, particularly one of the top wards, is not an easy thing for a wine to do. So it is an achievement and it is an indication of at least a level of quality. Does it mean that you won't be disappointed or could you still be disappointed? Well, you can probably tell by the slightly deflated way I've described the wine I've had. I'm a little bit disappointed with this uh, El Portico as a $16 wine. I've been drinking wines that are, uh, you know, $3 or $4, more like $12 wines that I have enjoyed more, have had a more intense
0: uh,
1: flavour that I now seek from my Rioja wines, especially if it's Crianza, more especially when I drink the reserves. And I'm feeling that this wine is, if it was a French wine, obviously more on the elegant side, but for me, I think it's just lacking a little bit of firepower. I would like to be steeped more into those uh, dark fruit flavours, and I would like more of that vanilla oat to come through. On the nose, it seems to promise one thing. What it delivers is very nice uh, in the mouth, but it is definitely coming across as a little bit light-weighted, for my particular palate. Oh, and David, isn't that a good segue? Why should I say that? Because next week, let me just give you a little bit of a heads up. Next week for episode 49, the topic is, do other people's opinion on wine matter? In other words, which should you take from this podcast? The fact that I've told you about this wine, if you live in the UK, that is available in Sainsbury's, it's available for under £10. It has got the seal of approval from three wine judging panels. I've tasted it. I don't find fault with it. I'm sort of damning it with faint praise. It is pleasant. It is nice. It has um, you know those subtle vanilla tones, but for me, they're a little bit too subtle it has uh, some mouthfeel but to me it lacks a little bit of weight so which do you take from that do you weigh my opinion of saying slightly disappointment against three judging panels that say this wine stands up against the best that all the countries we've judged has brought forth and because of that we've given it an international award and it's a received two gold awards. There you go. Hmm. I'm not too sure how well I come out of that. I think it's time to move on. Yes, we're going to just do that really as the topic. And uh, we're just going to minimise our main, well, not our main topic. The other thing that I was going to talk about, and that is we uh, mentioned a little bit last week that um, we talked about when they do these judgings, that they use a, an operation called blind tasting. So what I'm going to do is just um, refer to a couple of links that mention about uh, what you can take from uh, blind tasting. And I'm going to go to a couple of pages, and let me put the link into the first page. and I'm going to have a sip of this wine in a moment just to refresh myself as I put the link in. And again, I want you to go to these pages. I don't want to steal their content. I'll just give you a little bit of information from their site. This is from Wine Geeks. It's www.winegeeks.com forward slash articles, forward slash 29. And the article is entitled The Art of Blind Tasting... Uh, by Sonny Brown. Let's see what we can find about Sonny Brown because it's their content and their work. A uh, member since 2004 from
0: Columbus, Ohio. Okay. Right. Let's go to what the Paragasi done. But
1: first things first why taste blind? Tasting a wine blind is one of the best ways to formulate an unbiased opinion about the wine. Any knowledge that you have about a wine can cloud your judgement or influence your assessment. Perhaps you don't like Merlot. Any Merlot you taste will already have one stroke against it before it hits your lips. Maybe the wine was ultra expensive. You may be willing to give that wine a better report simply because it cost you an uh, a leg. These factors and many more can sway your opinion. Subconsciously or otherwise. The best way to make an honest assessment is to know nothing at all. And and I will add to that as well. I've had wines where... I've had a wine, I bought the 2005 and it's been marvellous. And then I've gone back to uh, the supermarket, the wine merchant, and, you know, there is their 2006 version. And think, oh, goody, goody, goody. I really enjoyed that 2005. And look... It's a pound cheaper. That's an absolute bargain. In fact, it's such a bargain, I'll get two bottles this time. And then I get home and I taste the first bottle and I'm thinking, why did I buy two bottles of this? This is only a pale imitation of the wine from last year's vintage. And there can be, I'm not saying that the characteristics have gone, but it may well just not leap out of the glass Uh, and and fill you with the joy that you remembered it having done so only 12 months before. Uh, And I'm going to give you one more paragraph from this uh, very long and very interesting um, article, and then we will move on. There is another reason to taste blind. Tasting a wine blind forces the taster to concentrate on every tiny aspect of the wine. Since he or she may be struggling to pinpoint the style or origin of the wine, they will try even harder to identify aromas, flavours and styles. While most professional wine professionals taste in either single blind, where you may know a piece of information such as the country of origin or the grape varietal, are double blind fashion, more of this later, double blind means that the taster knows absolutely nothing about the wine before it is poured. This is a very good tool to use in honouring your tasting skills. Okay, I don't think I ought to read any more than that because this person has gone through a great deal of trouble and they give a very eloquent account of The Art of Blind Tasting by Sonny Brown at www.winegeeks.com forward slash articles forward slash 29. And on that, I'm going to go to one and possibly the final link of today. And that is from Wine Tasting Guy. And the page is com forward slash 2008 forward slash 12. And then it's double dash blind dash wine dash tasting. Okay, again. Brilliant, I want you to go to these pages. I'm not trying to do anything other than direct you towards great content on the web. Bring these things to your attention so you yourself can go and explore and find out more. Okay. And he's talking about uh, an event he'd been to. So uh, let me go. Double blind tasting. Double blind tasting is when you can look at the wine but you are not told anything else. So in other words, he has a little funny article of triple wine, wine tasting where you're actually blindfolded as well. We're talking double blind tasting. And he's talking about this particular event. So our group organiser and frequent host put together a list of acceptable varietals and regions and set the minimum price at $20. So I suppose we were working off a list of about 20 to 30 varietals and regions that is not a true double blind. But I tell you what, we were sure laughing at ourselves and having fun. So they already knew that they were the wines couldn't be from anywhere in the world, but he knew uh, certainly they were from this narrow uh, varietals and indeed the price point. So let me just read a little bit more. So, how did you do? You ask. Well, let's just say I could have traded in my wine tasting guy, Monica, for wine clueless guy. Of the ten wines, I successfully guessed two. But one of the two wines was a wine I'd bought. Uh, a Samar, uh, and I won't say which, I want you to read them. So, um, he basically says it's far more difficult than you think. Um, but he talks about it being a really enjoyable event. I don't really want to read any more about that because, again, Wine Tasting Guy has gone to that effort. Great uh, blog, by the way. Let's go to the main page. Let's see um, what's his latest thing. Uncorked an Oregon Pinot at the City Winery. And there's an awful lot of great stuff there. Experts fail the champagne taste test. Oh, I like it when experts fail. Lots and lots of content there. Oh, I like the title of this one. Final post for now. Just taste, damn it. (laughs) Great stuff. So um, lots and lots of great wine blogs. Well, we're at the 40-minute mark. There's only me in the room. So I'm going to actually end the wine content here. If you want to listen on just for a minute or two, I will tell you how you can actually come on the show live and uh, join me on the room, as Jorvik and other people have done on other episodes. This torch You Call, the Big and Fruity Wine podcast, as I said, it's on the Tortue site. Find that from Google. It's every Tuesday at 5pm Eastern Daylight Time. That's one of the time zones in the USA. That's 10 p.m. here in the UK. You can come on as a guest and just uh, make yourself welcome in the chat client and actually text chat and hear the audio. Or you can actually come on audio via using a phone, in which case it's an American number, 724-444-7444. Or if you know how to use voice over internet protocol, a chat client, you can use something like Xlight and you can come in using um, 66, uh, uh 123 at 66.212.134.192 And then you can actually talk on the call and maybe give some reports or whatever. And also um, we have in the past had people who've uh, sent me a report or uh, we've had interviews like with Ian the Sixth Doctor. So There you go. I'm going to end at that 42 minutes. Thank you for those people that have listened to past shows. Hope you will check out some of the others. And with that, this is uh, Dave AC looking for his jazz outro pod safe music. Thank you for listening, everyone. Catch you next week.